Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. I am Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll, and we have reached the end of June. It is hard to believe half the year has gone by so quickly. The All-Star break is coming up fast, and uh, we got a lot to talk about. There has been a lot going on uh, in Brewer World and uh, in our world, uh, certainly a lot going on. It is busy. It is busier all the time, Matt. And uh, things are only going to get busier because we're now entering trade season. July Ooh. is just about here, and that means trade season. Are you ready? Are you psyched? I, man, I don't have much of a choice because the rumors and the predictions and the proposals and all of that's coming out. My least favorite website in the world mlb trade values is just getting oh, run yes. into the ground currently um so it is that time of year and there's going to be some good ones that come out some bad ones that come out a lot of bad ones yeah so we'll we'll cover as absolutely much as we can over the next month Absolutely. You are definitely going to want to stay tuned to ReviewingTheBrew.com. And we promise that if we ever put out any mock trade proposals, that they will be better than the ones that you see at Bleacher Report uh, or anywhere else. Because Bleacher Report can put out some really crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matt, you know this quite well. You were so pissed. You wrote an article about how bad this trade proposal was. And it was genuinely awful. Uh, and it, it's funny you mentioned baseball trade values because when Bleacher Report put this out, mm-hmm. I tr- I went to baseball trade values to see if this trade would work. And they wouldn't even let me make it happen. This trade involved Max Scherzer, and I tried to trade Max Scherzer on baseball trade values, and they didn't have an option for it. You couldn't mm-hmm. do it. They said, they said availability, none. Most of them, it's like low, medium, high, very high, whatever. None. None was available. They didn't even have the option. You couldn't even make the button to try to theoretically make a Max Scherzer trade work. But here's Bleacher Report saying, you know what? The Brewers, who squeezed Corbin Burns for $740,000, are going to take on the $43.3 million annual salary of Max Scherzer in a salary dump from the New York Mets. The New York Mets are salary dumping onto the Brewers, Matt. Yes. What? Something that, yes, a a scenario that all of us are 100% predicting will happen. Yeah, totally normal thing for the Brewers to be taking on ridiculously high contracts from other teams 100 percent in their history and uh, now granted, granted this uh article was named outrageous trades to shake up the 2023 mlb trade deadline okay i get that it, but it is by, outrageous by outrageous it should still be possible and this <laughs> trade just did not seem possible. You mentioned Max Scherzer being traded from the Mets to the Brewers. Never mind the fact that the starting rotation has actually held together quite well for the Brewers, all things considered, and they mm-hmm. still have Brandon Woodruff coming back, and they still have Aaron Ashby coming back, maybe not straight to the rotation, but at least there. 
You've got Wade Miley, you know, the t- ageless, timeless Wade Miley pitching how he's pitching. Colin Ray has been doing well. Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta are still there. They Julio I, Tehran. Julio Tehran is, you know, outside of his last outing has been phenomenal. So never mind the fact that adding to the rotation when they have a piss poor offense for most of the year, it does, makes no sense at all. But in this trade, they projected that the Brewers give up top pitching prospect Jacob Mizorowski, top 100 prospect in all of baseball, for Max Scherzer's $43 million and all but guaranteed $43 million uh, player option that he'll pick up next year as well. So it's not just yeah. a rental for this year. For his age, uh, what, 41 and 42 seasons? Yeah, um, he, I thought... 40 was, and 41? I think he's, I thought he was 38 now and turning 39, I thought it was, but he's coming up on 40, I unless I looked it up wrong. Um, he's up. Either way. Let's just put it up. Put He, he is up there. So you're trading away your top pitching prospect when after next year you are likely losing your co-aces and starting to rely on your next wave of young starting pitchers, you're going to trade away one of them for a, let's just say 40-year-old pitcher on an insanely high contract. What of any of that makes sense? Also, by the way, Max Scherzer, in now a, a very good ERA, I mean good, ERA in the high threes, his worst ERA in 12 years. So he's not getting better. (laughs) So on top of everything, you've got, you've got him, you know, essentially declining still again, very, very good. Um, But just, and we didn't even get to the part, the no trade clause. Yeah. That he said he'd, he'd be willing to waive to go to a world series contender. Would Max Scherz be willing to waive his no trade clause to go to Milwaukee? Okay, like, regardless of even our thoughts on the Brewers being a World Series contender, if you think they are, if you think they aren't, that's not what we're getting into. Would Max Scherzer waive his no-trade clause to come to Milwaukee? No. And, yeah, Scherzer is 38, almost 39. Verlander is the Uh, 40-year-old. Still, they got two, like, just aging dudes. Um, Plus Carlos Carrasco, 36. Yikes. Um, But... Still, it's it's absurd on its face. And yeah, the Brewers, the, like there was nothing in there about the Mets kicking in any sort of salary nope. at all. So the Brewers are taking on the full salary and they're giving up Mizorowski? No. If, and the, again, this is a very hi, hi, big hypothetical if, if they're taking on Max Scherzer and his contract, you are not getting a quality prospect in return. No. This is a, that, that's a salary dump and you are getting... The dude who's got an ERA of seven down in the Dominican Summer League. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, the best parts about all of this is their whole reasoning behind why the Brewers would all of a sudden just blow their payroll out of the water when they have never done so before is, well, the Padres did it. Oh, the Padres <laughs> Oh, did yeah, it. that's oh. right, yeah. okay, then that makes sense. Then obviously the Brewers are going to push their payroll, you know, into the very high 100 because they were projecting that like 
you know, Did the, Peter the Seidler buy the Brewers and we didn't know. Yeah, re- re- exactly. Right. Like that just. Yeah. Oh, well, it just, could happen. Just just okay. insane. Uh, but that is that that is how rumors season is kicking off. And we don't want to spend too much more time on it because it's not going to happen. It's It's no. just. Absurdly ridiculous on its face. Just, uh, just and you can it, you can read through Matt's article explaining how ridiculous it is over at reviewingthebrew.com, of course, as everything is. Uh, but yeah, just more stuff coming, and uh, it's only going to get more uh, and more wild as the month of July rolls on, and we head towards that trade deadline. The Brewers are going to be buyers, uh, whether whether you like it or not. I know I've seen some people on Twitter saying that this team should be sellers, but they're right there at first place. So I don't envision that happening. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a very interesting month, and, and things have really kind of uh, shaken up here uh, with this team as as the needs are coming into focus. The offense is obviously a big need. Uh, they, they need a lot of help there uh, to get things going offensively. They need internal improvements from a lot of their current guys. Willie Adamas, for one, uh, they need him to snap out of it and, and start playing like his 2021 self. Rowdy Telez, they really need to snap out of it. Uh, first base is becoming a need. Uh, Adamas, they're, they're kind of entrenched with. He's, he's not going anywhere. They're not going to be trading for a shortstop. Uh, but first base, you could easily replace Rowdy Telez. Uh, second base, uh, they could use some help. Third base, really, all the infield, they, they need improvements at offensively. Uh, and, uh, Matt, they're, they're shaking things up a little bit. We're starting yeah. to see maybe a bit of a wake-up call. Bryce Terang is back. He just got called up ahead of the series finale against the Mets. And they sent down Luis Arias. Uh, Luis Arias still did have options remaining. He's got two left. Uh, once this one is burned, he'll have, he'll have one option remaining next year, but still he's got options and the Brewers sent him down because he's been struggling mightily ever since he come back, ever since he came back from the injured list and he's going to get some more at bats down there. He needs regular at bats, but the way he's playing, you can't really give them to him at the big league level. So they send him down and Terang is back up. And, uh, I, I think this is a big wake up call for, for Urias and the Brewers offense, because I mean, Reese is a guy that they were really depending on to be a regular for them. And they optioned him. They optioned him down after a couple of weeks of struggles. And that that's a wake up for him that he's got to get it going and a wake up for the rest of the offense that if you don't get it going soon, we are going to make some moves because we're three months into the season. Now it's no longer just a bad start. It's a bad season. Yeah, absolutely. You have to, it's, and with the way the Brewers' offense has performed this season, you are at the point now where you have to ride hot hands. There is just no way around it. You have to. And the, Craig Council kind of started doing that in when he kind of kept up Monasterio and optioned down Bryce Terang, rode with Monasterio for a little bit while it was working. Um, it He's doing it currently kind of with Blake Perkins, uh, using him more in right field than Ramiel Rymel Tapia, you really haven't seen a lot of Tapia at all recently. Um, uh, and then Owen Miller, really, once he, he was kind of the one who kicked all of it off. Once once it was realized that, you know, his bat was not going to cool down, it, he got way more and more and more playing time. So at this point, you know, you're starting to go into July. 
you're having to do what you need to do now to kind of stay towards the top of the division. The Brewers are right there. They've been kind of, you know, flip-flopping back and forth with the Reds for first place in the NL Central. Uh, it, it looks by all rights like they're going to be competitors, especially as they start getting some of these uh, guys back healthy. And so you, you've got to do whatever you can to maximize that offense, especially when, you know, it just sputters anytime they face a left-handed pitcher. Um, and so, yeah, it's Bryce Terang had been doing well down in AAA. He had a hit in every game but one after he was optioned back down there. Um, and then eventually started at first, it was literally one hit in every game. Then he starts getting more, starts getting on base, starts looking more comfortable. Time to come back up. But we all assumed that the move was going to be Monasterio going back down. Instead, it ends up being Urias because, like you said, he wasn't producing. And so get him down to AAA, get him in a groove, get him more comfortable. It happens to young guys all the time. Remember, Urias is, what is he, 26? Is he yeah. not, not? Okay. Um, Urias is, he's not that old yet. Don't forget. Like, he's still, he's still coming into his peak as a player. So um, guys like that plenty of times end up needing some, you know, some more seasoning down in the minors, but they've got to go with the guys who are playing well. And I think Blake Perkins hitting well out in right field recently, because he actually has been doing pretty decently, save for some blunders on the base paths. (laughs) Um, But him playing well enough in right field means you can more consistently have Brian Anderson at third as opposed to Luis Urias. Because when you weren't getting that production production at right field, you were more apt to shift Anderson out there, plug in Urias at third, and kind of roll with that lineup. Um, now you can afford not to, at least in the, in the meantime, while Perkins is having some decent games. So keep going with that. Have Urias go down, figure some things out. And yeah, hopefully this is a wake-up call, because we've seen what Urias can do. When he's going mm-hmm. well, he can certainly be a contributor to the offense. He very much was in 2021. If you look at his 2022 numbers, they actually weren't that far off from 2021. They they really weren't. Um, so he wasn't that terrible last year, but he's nowhere close to either of those seasons right now. He's got to get it be- get it together, and hopefully some time in AAA will do that. Yeah, and you know, Craig Council has mentioned that, that he's been a very consistent hitter at the big league level. They just haven't seen it from him this year. So, uh, yeah, similar to Bryce Terang needing to go down and get a reset, That that's what they're trying to do with Arias and just kind of get him going. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's certainly a, a wake-up call. I was expecting Monasterio to be the guy as well. Monasterio has struggled, especially on defense. Uh, but offensively, he's really not doing that much. Um, but he, he brings some versatility, at least, even though he's not great defensively uh, at, at any spot. And Bryce Terang is. He made some incredible plays oh. on Thursday night against the Mets. Just really uh, so, some huge plays for the Brewers defensively at second base. And makes me really excited for the future with Terang. And, uh, you know, he, he really can pick it at short. If it wasn't for Adamas, Terang would be at short. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's great to see Terang back up. Urias, I'm not surprised he got sent down. Uh, I'm really feeling for our buddy contributor, Josh Waldick, uh, who has been <laughs> as high on the Luis Urias train as anybody. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it's, it, it's a rough day for Josh. Uh, but yeah, it's, it w- it was needed for Urias. He, he needs a chance to, to get a reset and hopefully he'll be, 
back up soon. And you mentioned Blake Perkins, and Blake Perkins is playing well. And yeah. frankly, I think right now um, he's holding off Sal Freelich. Yep. Because, uh, you know, Freelich, he, he's down there in AAA. He's back. He's healthy. Uh, but it won't be long before Freelich gets called up to the big league level. And the fact that Perkins is hitting well right now is is one of the few things that's uh, holding him back and maybe holding the Brewers from being like, eh, we don't need to call him up just yet. Yeah. In, in the same way we've kind of talked about some of the other young guys over really not just this year but last year, Bryce Terang, Garrett Mitchell, et cetera, you don't want to bring those guys up and then just sit them on the bench. That's mm-hmm. not going to be the point. When they come up, yeah. you're going to want them to get playing time. So when Sal Freelich comes up, you're going to want him to start more games than he doesn't in right field or center field to give Joey Weimer an actual break every once in a while. Um, well, put Weimer in right field. Right. Or, yes, exactly. You've got a lot of options um, there. But you're not going to bring Sal Freelich up and sit him on the bench because Perkins is playing well. If Perkins yeah. is playing well, keep it going. Keep building that confidence with Freelich down in AAA because it's not like it's not like he's hitting the cover off the ball. Like his mm-hmm. his numbers for the season are you know they're average for Sal Freelich numbers. Um, so it's not like it couldn't help him to kind of keep seeing that pitching and kind of keep building himself up so he can use the time if the Brewers aren't desperate for him right now. And the way Perkins is playing, they aren't desperate for Sal Freelich right now. We all want to see him. Don't get me wrong. I want to see yeah. him. You want the to fans see him. are desperate for him. The fans, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like we Especially every time Blake Perkins gets picked off of first base, everyone's yeah. ready to call for Sal Freelich. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so. just ridiculous. But, but, yeah, so the outfield is still pretty much in – in good hands. The infield is is in flux, and you know, with the shortstop situation, the infield, I mean, Owen Miller has, has somewhat struggled. He he's had a better week this past week, but overall, he's been struggling. Yeah. Uh, to to get it going to to recapture his magic from May, was not able to do that in June and, and keep it going. Uh, but yeah, the the infield situation with. Uh, Urias and Terang and Monasterio and Adamas. The the whole shortstop situation is something that that's been interesting the last couple of years because Adamas came in in 2021 after Luis Urias failed to take hold of the job. He had gotten it. He had he had the job outright for six weeks, made a whole bunch of throwing errors, and the Brewers went and brought in Willie Adamas. And now Adamas is struggling offensively. Uh, defensively, still fantastic, but offensively he's struggling, and it raises more questions about the Brewers' future at shortstop. Meanwhile, the shortstop before all of this, Orlando Arcia, that they gave up on a week into the 2021 season, was just named the National League's all-star team starter mm-hmm. at shortstop. For the Atlanta Braves, Orlando Arcia is putting together a phenomenal season. He has earned and deserved this all-star nod. And, Matt, it raises questions for me as to what went wrong with the Brewers and Arcia. This talent was always in there. Mm-hmm. Arcia always had that all-star potential. We knew it. We knew it when he was a prospect. We knew it, we knew it when he was in single A. 
We knew he had that star potential. We were waiting on him for years. He finally comes up, and he shows some, some decent stuff, and then he just falls apart offensively. He cannot get the bat going. Then his defense starts to struggle a little bit, and they send him up and down, and, and they try everything that they can to get him going offensively, and they can't do it for five years. They can't get him to figure it out at the plate. And within a year and a half, the Atlanta Braves have turned Orlando Arcia into an all-star. Yeah, I I don't know. that You know, we, we know that the Brewers, in terms of hitting development kind of in the late 2010s, didn't go particularly well. A lot of, you know, basically where the Brewers got their offense in the outside of Ryan Braun um, yes. in, in that four-year playoff stretch came from outside of the organization. We were relying on guys like Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain and Mike Moustakis and Travis Shaw and Ismani Grandal and uh, Aguilar, Thames, like all of these guys, guys that were not drafted by the Brewers, guys that they picked up outside. It was the pitching that they were able to develop, to develop in-house. And Arcia was one of those guys who, yeah, top prospect, 100% supposed to be the dude. And just never, we, God, I, I would love to go back and, you know, see how many times we talked about Arcia being disappointing on offense on this podcast in its yeah. history, it, because he was. And all I can say is even the Braves, you, you mentioned that it took them, they were able to get him turned around in a year, half, year and a half. It did still take them a year and a half to do it. It's not like he got there, they said, hey, you just got to do this. And, you know, he was magically fixed. Like, it took them a little bit of work with him, but they were able to get him figured out. I mean, he's entering his peak, you know, 28-year-old season. Like, that could be part of it, that he's just finally matured enough. He debuted in his age 21 season. That's that's a, an early time to be a major leaguer in your yeah. career. Like, that's not there's not a lot of players who start out as 21-year-olds. You've got to be like a... Again, like a Juan Soto-type, Ronald Acuna-type generational talent, Jackson Churio-type generational talent yeah. to be able to do something like that. So, like, from that standpoint, I get that he struggled. But, he, I mean, he was with, with the Brewers in the big leagues for, you know, over five seasons and just wasn't – was never able to flip that switch, so to say, offensively. And the Braves were able to figure it out, so – yeah, but, but I, if but, if anything, and, it kind of just it 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 is it has been the trend for the Brewers with their homegrown offense. Now it's getting better in recent yeah. years. They've kind of it seems like they've maybe turned the corner a little bit. But is it though? Because we don't really know. Uh, right. I mean, we got Garrett Mitchell and Joey Weimer and Bryce Trank coming up, but I mean we don't really know on those guys yet. Right. Mitchell's putting up good numbers. I mean. Weimer and, and Terang overall in the season, their, their numbers are looking pretty low. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they've made some progress and they've they've had some success, but not a resounding overall success like like anyone thought sure. they were going to be. Yeah. But still, I mean, I, I read this article in The Athletic uh, a couple of weeks ago. Arcia, as soon as the Braves got Arcia in that trade, they had a whole PowerPoint presentation like, here are the flaws in your swing that we have mm-hmm. identified here are the ways we want you to fix them. 
uh, that, and they saw Flan is throwing motion too that that was causing all the errors, and they just they had they had him go to AAA and just work on him and, and make him part of his routine and part of his everyday thing. And yeah, he's gotten that going, and now he's been able to get into a groove at the plate, and and they've been able to get it out of him because it it's smart player development mm-hmm. that they were able to do, and the Brewers weren't able to do that with him. They had known Arcia for a decade. They signed him in 2010. Yeah. He practically grew up with them. And they weren't able to get it out of them. They knew him better than anyone else. The Braves didn't know him at all. But they saw his swing and they're like, hey, he needs to fix this and fix this and we'll make him all we'll make him an all-star. And they were able to do it. And the Braves have been able to develop homegrown hitting mm-hmm. in recent years. They've been able to develop yep. a lot Very of much. a lot of talent. Yep. The Brewers haven't. Their last homegrown all-star was Jonathan Lucroy in 2016. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was their last one. Prior to that, their their last homegrown guy, Ryan Braun. That's that that's been it. That that's been it lately. Ryan Braun and Jonathan Lucroy. They haven't been able to do anything else with developing hitters. And that then that causes me to look at Keston Hero. Keston Hero was yep, supposed absolutely. to be a hitting prodigy. He was yep. a top prospect. He was supposed to be a stud, an all-star, perennial all-star, hitting 300 with 30 bombs, going to be a stud in the middle of our lineup. Everyone's super excited about it, up and down the organization, the fan base, everyone. And Keston Hero lost it. Yeah. He can't He can't figure it out at the plate. Uh, he doesn't have any defensive value either. That doesn't help. Arcia always could play shortstop, so, so he had that going for him that another team would be willing to pick him up and and run with him. But now Keston Hira, it's making me question what, what they're doing with him, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. no, that, I, that, that talent's in there for Keston. We know it's in there. Everyone knows it's in there. Can they get it out of him? Yeah. No, I 100% loop Hira in with the lack of pitch, uh, hitting development, for sure. And and yes, I, I also agree that it's, it, it is early to like say that they have 100% turned the corner in terms of hitting development, which is why I went with seems that they may have like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, we want to see these guys continue to come up. We want to see that, you know, it, that Sal Freelich ends up doing well it, his entire way through to the majors that Eric Brown does that, you know, all these guys that they've, that have been high offensive draft picks end up doing well, but if some of them don't, then it could be that they just hit on the right players in the draft. Like, what will mm-hmm. be real interesting to see is whether they end up with some homegrown guys outside of the Garrett Mitchells, the Joey Weemers, the Bryce Terangs, the guys that should be, you know, mm-hmm. major league contributors. The guys that were like, okay, these are, you know, they're at the top of the, you know, top 10 prospect lists. They're, they're guys that you're not questioning as much. Will there be any hitters outside of those guys who end up making their ways to the major leagues? I guess that's where you'd be able to tell if they've truly turned a corner in their hitting development. And I guess when we when we put it that way, you know, maybe they haven't because I don't know that there's a lot of surefire guys down in the system. There's a lot of guys we like, don't get me wrong. But I don't know if there's a lot of surefire guys down there outside of your first rounders, you know, your second rounders and stuff that we're sure are going to be major league players at some point. So Yeah, I mean, once you get beyond those first couple of rounds, it's really throwing darts at a dartboard. 
Sure. Um, and, and just, yeah, it's going to rely on a lot on, you know, maybe these guys can hit, maybe not, but it, it's a lot of lower ceiling, uh, lower floor type of guys uh, later on in the draft that you're just kind of hoping will be able to hit enough as they go along. But just being able to get anyone at the big league yes. level from yeah. the system to hit, even the first rounders, because first rounders don't have a 100% hit rate. No, you, know, you you look back at drafts know. throughout the years. There's a lot of guys who were taken that did not pan out. Corey Ray, number five overall. Hello, uh, they, you know they they had that that draft pick. That, that was their their earliest draft pick of the entire rebuild. Mm-hmm. Completely whiffed on it. Corey Ray didn't do anything. Keston here, a top ten pick. Yeah, didn't end up doing much. Trent Grisham for a while languished down there, and then he yeah. finally got. You know, figured it out once he stopped doing what the Brewers told him to do. Yep. Because the Brewers made him change his grip on the mm-hmm. base. He's, he's got a, like a weird grip with the thumbs up or something. Yep. And the Brewers made him change it for the first couple of years. And finally, he said, screw it. I'm going to go back to my original grip. And what do you know? He started hitting better. And now he's over there in San Diego when, well, that team's not going anywhere, but that's their problem. <laughs> uh, but still... Brewers hitting development didn't really do that with with Grisham. They, they didn't really do much to help him. Then, of course, they traded him uh, afterwards. And, yeah, it, it's just kind of been a, a string of, you know, we'll see. we got Terang, uh, Mitchell. Uh, I really wish we, we, we were able to get more of a look at Mitchell this year. I was really excited for him. Um, but, yeah, you're still kind of in wait and see if these kids will pan out. Uh, and if the Brewers haven't learned their lesson from Arcia, from Hura, about hitting development, I'm I'm concerned about these kids. Mm-hmm. As excited as we are about Mitchell and Freelich and Weimer and Terang and Jackson Churio, I'm mean, Jackson Churio's got the most hype of anybody. Mm-hmm. But you know he's ranked you know number one, number two. Orlando Arcia was number six. Yeah, Arcia was a six overall prospect. He was just as hyped. And I'm I'm concerned about Churio, not not about anything Churio's done, but just if the Brewers will be the ones that, that can actually get it out of him. If he starts to struggle, can they help him adjust? Can can they do what needs to be done? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm concerned about, and, and that's what seeing Arce, uh, is Look, I love seeing Arcia's success. I'm very happy for him. Always love the dude, but seeing Arcia's success almost immediately over there, even though it still took him another year to become an all-star officially seeing his, his success almost immediately. And another organization having a plan quickly identifying his flaws and putting a plan in place to fix them really makes me concerned about the Brewers ability to develop offense. And then you look at the Brewers offense currently and how bad it is. Like it's, it's a problem. And I don't, I don't think it's just the players. I don't think it's just the hitting coaches. There's there's something with, with the Brewers player development or their their philosophy or whatever that I think gives me doubt that they can reach into the full potential of their hitters. Right, which is why it is so important for it and it's been so important for a team like the Brewers to hit on your trades and your free agents, because that's where they've had to find this offensive production over the last several years. And really up until these last couple, it's worked for the most part. Like they've had 
high-functioning offenses up until last season. Even 2021, they had a good offense, um, which is why, you know, they kind of were able to nab that playoff spot as, as poorly as that series against the Braves. Because Adamas came in and energized them. That's, that's what happened yes. in 2021. Right, but it wasn't just Adamas providing offense. Like, it was, like, yes, he boosted them, but, like, it still, it's, it's team sport. They, they've all got a hit. Um, yeah. But... The a lot of these guys now, when when your free agents and your uh, trade acquisitions don't hit like Jesse Winker has been doing his last three games have been finally decent. But overall, he uh, he's been disappointing. Rowdy Telez was doing pretty well and has now slumped hard. And Adamas has basically been in, you know, a slump all season. Man, it was great to see him hit two home runs in game the other day. It's that almost feels like a lifetime ago already. Yeah. Um, he should do that more. Yeah, he should very much do or that. Or just get two hits in a game more. Yeah. It, at period. Doesn't have to be homers. Just nope. hits, man. Um, when when those types of guys aren't hitting, you don't have the backup to be able to take over. There's no one that it's like, oh well, it's fine because you know we've got X player waiting in the wings. Or whatever, like you don't have the you have Sal Freelich down there right now, and you have Jackson Churio. Eventually, he's not coming up this season. Um, I, it, it's to the point where like if he hits AAA, it's probably going to be way later than we were originally expecting. Um, yeah. Is he, you know, is he again not blowing the cup, doing well enough, but not blowing the cover off the ball at AA? Um, that's it. Like that's your two guys that you're sure are in the minors that are going to hit the major leagues at some point. There's the backup isn't there. So your free agents and your trades that have got a hit and this season, they just it, it haven't so far. It's not quite as bad as 2020 when everything went wrong. Um, yeah. But also there was a lot of weird stuff with 2020. You, you could write that off as just kind of the whole circumstances. Of I it. know, but like it yeah. was still crazy to see it basically. It was so horrifying to watch because that was like all we had to do. I guess that was all we had to watch. That was all that was going on and nothing. They, they brought Man, what in, a crazy time. They brought just, it was. It, they brought in so many players that offseason, and the only offensive player who hit kind of was Jed Jerko. Like yeah. everyone else failed. It yeah. was it just I've ne- I've never seen just J- Justin Smoke, Eric Sogard, Avi Garcia. I just, yeah, all of it. Uh, more, yeah, uh, just oof, oof, 2020. So it's not that bad at the very least. I mean, the Brewers are, they have a winning record. So yeah. <laughs> clearly it's not that bad. Um, yeah. But yeah, like they've, your acquisitions have to hit. And um, it's kind of uh, Owen Miller. Yeah, that's worked out. Brian yeah. Anderson at times. But um, it- but also, yeah. I mean, when, when you're a team like the Brewers who can't really compete uh, when it comes to payroll for a, a lot of the top free agents, that's where you need your draft guys. You need to draft and develop and, and constantly have a pipeline of young talent coming up. Yeah. Cheap talent that you can get for those pre-arbitration years and have them produce. You need those guys coming up and, and producing and being a big part of your team because you can only afford so many veteran free agent and trade acquisitions and you can only trade away so many prospects to to get those hitters you have to be able to draft and develop and there there 
rolling through this this first wave right here. Okay, the, the first wave, Mitchell, Terang, Weimer, those are these guys coming up. They're, they're going to be relying on them. It's still too early to tell, obviously, for any of those guys if they're going to pan out offensively. But with the Brewers' history with Orlando Arcia and the fact that he succeeded as soon as he left, and Keston here, I feel like if Keston Hero leaves, he could end up becoming an all-star elsewhere. We won't know until he actually does, but, you know, if that's two failures in a row on two hitting prodigies, on two massively highly ranked prospects, the Brewers need to do some serious internal reflection yeah. on, on how they develop hitting, what their hitting philosophy is, and, and what they're going to do to ensure that this doesn't happen again. Because you, maybe you could just write Orlando Arcia as a one-off, just, oh, Everything just kind of went wrong. You know, he needed to change the scenery, whatever it was. I don't know the inner workings of their relationship, mm-hmm. but maybe you could write it off. But two in a row having to fail, that is a sign of something deeper within the Brewers that they seriously need to take a look at. Yeah. And although here we haven't seen them elsewhere, we have seen them fail in a Brewers uniform. We have seen them fail to live up to his potential. And the Brewers need to be asking themselves, where are we going wrong and how can we fix this? Yeah, that's why, that's why Bryce Terang almost needs to end up working out. Otherwise, that's three in a row. And then yeah. it looks even worse. Yeah, and, and then what happens with, with Sal Freelich, who's supposedly a hitting prodigy? Jackson mm-hmm. Churio hitting prodigy. Uh, are, are they going to be able to, to get them to their full potential? Right. It, so that's... That's the major question the Brewers have to be asking themselves uh, as, as we go through here. Um, but enough of the downer subjects. Uh, yeah. We don't want to get... We're winning games again. Let's, let's yeah, get... We're... Hey, the Brewers have won two series in a row on this road trip. All yes. right? they, they took three or four from the Mets. They took two or three from the Guardians. You know, for, what, a stretch of 17 games in 17 days, you know, and, and a 10-game three-city road trip... That's pretty good. Now they're heading off to Pittsburgh uh, to try to finish them off in the NL Central standings because Pittsburgh has uh, been going through it of late. They're now four and a half games back uh, in the division. So the Brewers have a chance to bury the Pirates, uh, the upstart Pirates, once and for all. None of us were really expecting the Pirates to stick around very long. But the fact that they've done it into just about July here is is quite impressive. But uh, it's it's time to to end that whole charade. Um, but yeah, it's a, it, it's a big series coming up and yeah, Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns and, and Colin Ray coming up on the mound. This is this stretch heading into the all-star game by far the most important stretch so far, maybe the import, most important stretch of the season based off of how the standings are. Cause you are playing the fourth place team in the NL central then the third place team in the NL Central, then the, well, technically first place team in the NL Central um, in the Pirates, and then the Cubs, and then the Reds. Pirates are in a tailspin. The Cubs have actually been playing well of late. They've been crawling their way back into things. Um, and then the Reds have just been, you know, finally, thank God, they finally ended up losing some games. Um, but they are still there. And the Brewers have those games consecutively it's three against the pirates and then back home for four against the cubs and three against the reds so um 
what the Brewers do over the next 10 games is going to be very important because, yeah, heading into that the All-Star break, we'll see kind of what the NL Central looks like. And, I mean, I, this is going to be just an absolute dogfight until the very end of the season. Uh, the Reds, crazy to say, but I, I think they're going to be hanging around for the rest of the year now. I don't think they're a fluke currently. They've got a lot of young guys. Ellie De La Cruz is just... Uh, it's it, thank God he's on the Reds because I, I can actually like I, I say nice things about him and not feel bad about it. Like if he were on the Cubs or Cardinals, of course all, all I would want to do is trash him. But because he's on the Reds, eh, whatever, it's okay. Um, but he's super super fun to watch. Um, but they've got some other young guys there. We saw Andrew Abbott firsthand. Matt McLean has been having a good year. Um, there, and then Joey Votto's back now too. Um, and so, yeah, they're going to be hanging around. I don't know what to say about the Cubs. I don't know if they're just in a lucky stretch or not right now. But either way, we're going to have to spend some time kind of swatting them away and hoping that they go be quiet again for a while. But um, it's it's interesting. Ten, ten games in a row, all against NL Central divisional opponents heading into the All-Star break is that's quite a stretch. Yeah, yeah, it, it's really going to be uh, an interesting one here as as the division gets played out because because there are so few uh, or less games against divisional opponents this year with mm-hmm. the balanced schedule. Instead of 19 yeah. against each divisional opponent, you got 12. Uh, so it, it's going to be very, very, uh, as you said, interesting as how this all plays out and trying to swat some of them down. But yeah, so I mean, with the division coming up, uh, that that's going to be uh, very fun. But yeah, the Reds, the Reds are for real. I think I, I think this, this division is going to be between the Reds and the Brewers the rest of the way. Uh, they have brought up a lot of young talent, and you know, right now the Brewers have the best odds uh, to to win the division. Uh, Fangraphs gives them a 52.7% chance. The next closest is the Reds at 18.7%. So. Uh, the Brewers are still kind of the, the favorites here, only because they were one of the teams that was expected to be up here. The Reds weren't. The Pirates weren't. Uh, the Cubs weren't. The Cardinals were, were the team this was supposed to be against. But the Cardinals are nine games back, and they're 33 and 46 and having a terrible season and considering selling. Oh, the hey. horror. Oh, how awful. Love it. Yeah, We're going to mention that every <laughs> chance we get, as long as they are in last place. It will be mentioned on this podcast. Oh, yes. We'll oh, find, we'll even find a way to work it into our draft coverage. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, draft coverage, that is going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, we got that coming up as well. We got a mock draft roundup that just went up on the site here. Uh, we got more draft stuff coming up. I'm so excited to dive into this over the next uh, 10 days or so until the draft begins. Next week, we're going to be focusing a lot on the uh, draft on this podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I just got an article going up on Friday here about junior college pitchers uh, that the Brewers could target. And look, you're not going to find that kind of content uh, many places. Most most places are not going to write about junior college pitchers <laughs> specifically uh, as draft targets. But we do here at Reviewing the Brew. And the reason why is because the Brewers love themselves a junior college pitcher. Ever since Todd Johnson took over this as a scouting director... 
the Brewers have taken one of the top junior college pitchers every single year, with the exception of 2020 when it was a five-round draft. Yeah. And they took all hitters. But that was a weird year, and it was only five rounds. So everything, and plus the junior college season got canceled, so you couldn't really see anybody. So, yeah. But other than that, every single year they've taken a junior college pitcher with a lot of success. Bowden Francis, MLB pitcher. Mm-hmm. Aaron Ashby, major league pitcher. Antoine Kelly, really good prospect. They traded him. I'm not sure what he's doing in Texas right now. Logan Henderson, really good prospect. Jacob Mizorowski, Tyler Wasner, really good prospects. So they've done well with this demographic. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go back to it. I am sure of it. So who could it be? We got the biggest targets that they could go after. Uh, that is up on the site. Uh, so Art. that's going to be a lot of fun. Friday morning here. Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah, so. yes. Oh, yeah. As people are listening to this, it will be up, won't it? <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yeah. So so that is going to be there. That is uh, a lot of stuff. Definitely recommend uh, checking out all the draft stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but elsewhere, uh, with the actual team and trade deadline, trade rumor season coming up, uh, also on the site this week, four trade targets the Brewers should pursue to fix their offense. Because they do need to fix this offense. We've been talking about it with the infield. Uh, DH struggles there. They are going to need to add at least one bat, possibly two, possibly three, uh, to help fix this offense. Uh, as much as they need internal improvements, they do need to add somebody offensively. Uh, so we've got a couple of targets out there. Uh, Matt's, there's one that I, that there's, there's two that I really like uh, for the Brewers that, that I would want them to go and get. The first one is Jimer Candelario mm-hmm. of the Washington Nationals. He's having a phenomenal season, uh, and he is excellent at third base. He could really lock down the spot. He's a free agent at the end of the year, so he's not going to block anybody. But Candelario is putting up a, a wonderful season, and he would be a huge bat to add to the middle of the Brewers lineup. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, he, he's got the numbers right now. Um, he, he comes from a team who <laughs> traditionally end up as sellers around this time of year. So, you know, it should be easy enough to get one would end up thinking. And yeah, again, he plays a uh, position at third base that the Brewers can use some help at. Um, it gives you a little bit of extra flexibility, especially if uh, Luis Urias continues to struggle. But they need more of those pure hitter guys and you know, that's kind of what he's been doing. He's been hitting. He's been getting on base. He's had the extra base hits. He's kind of he's been good all around and just something that like it, it would be a good type to infuse into the Brewers. So I, I like that. Um, I, I'm interested to hear. I, I've got a guy specifically that I like on this list, but I'm interested to hear who your second one is. Oh, uh, yes. Um, the second one is the one who affectionately called David Stearns Stearnsy. Uh, that is Justin Turner. Mm. Uh, he is having another really good year. 
for the uh, Boston Red Sox. Uh, he went over there this year, signed a signed a two year contract, well one year with a player option. Uh, but he's continuing to to play well, being above average player, uh, hitting for average, hitting for some power, uh, doing the things that Justin Turner has done for for a long time. And the Brewers have wanted him for years, and the Red Sox are in last place in the AL East, and maybe this is finally the time that the Brewers are able to get him. Now, there is the issue of his contract uh, with the amount of money that he's being owed. I feel like the Brewers could argue for a lesser prospect return because of it, uh, or they could argue for the Red Sox to take on some salary uh, to help them uh, deal with it and, and, and offset that. But Turner, the Brewers have wanted him for years. He'd fit perfectly in this offense. He'd fit well, third base, first base, DH, wherever you needed to put him. He's a guy that they like. He's a guy that they want. And he would be perfect in a Brewers uniform. Nice. For sure, um, Justin Turner. I think a lot of people doubt that the Brewers were ever close to uh, bringing Turner in. But by by all reports, they actually were very, very much in on him. So there's already a little bit of that connection there, which... I would imagine would help with, uh, you know, any discussions. Um, so I, I do like that idea. If the Red Sox do end up being sellers, you had another player on that list that I do think is a little bit intriguing. It's a little bit less of a sure thing, but mm-hmm. you had Bobby Dahlbeck listed as one of your possibilities. And considering he's for the most part outside of his one really good year, um, with the Red Sox, he's mostly disappointed at the major league level. So maybe the Brewers could get him for a little bit lower of a price. And maybe he's one of those guys, you know, like Orlando Arcia, that just needs a change of scenery, needs, you know, something yeah. different, work with some new people. Um, even despite those struggles, as you note in that uh, article, uh, Dahlbeck has actually been good against left-handed pitchers. Let me repeat that. Dahlbeck has been good against left-handed pitchers. That is something a quality the Brewers could very much use. So, you know, you bring a guy like him in, he can play either corner position, so he could potentially, you know, stand in uh, for either first or third. Um, He could even uh, play DH, as you note, as well. Um, You know, if he ended up hitting, he's a guy who's still super young you would have some control on. Um, it, it would be a risk, obviously, because he hasn't, like, you know, been amazing at the major league level outside of, but he did have one very, very good year. So he has shown some potential. Um, he, it'd be a little bit of a risk, but it would fill a specific need on the team and potentially even be something you could look at, um, for the future. So, you know, if, if it comes down, if you can get him for the right price, I would, I would think you would want to consider it. Yeah, and the price for Dahlbeck, I would think, would be pretty low. Right. He's in AAA right now with Boston. He is he has been pushed out of a spot. They got Rafael Devers and Justin Turner at third base. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got Tristan Casas at first base. He's blocked. Yep. He, he's blocked over there. And his only chance to get back to the big leagues and and be you know a, a serious. Uh, everyday hitter again is to get out and go someplace else. The same situation happened with Rowdy Telez. 
not too long ago. Rowdy Telez was blocked at first base. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. took over the job, and he got sent down to AAA. He got banished down there. The Brewers acquired him, and next thing you know, he was really good mm-hmm. for a while. Now, obviously, he's struggling, but still, you know, sometimes it is just kind of getting him out and, and getting him regular at-bats. Now, I don't know if Dalbeck's going to be an everyday guy. He may just be a platoon guy based on his numbers against lefties because his numbers against righties are not very good. Yeah. Uh, but still, that's a quality that the Brewers could use because when they do face left-handed pitchers and a lot of teams, look, the book is out. They know the Brewers struggle against lefties, and they will intentionally bring out left-handed pitchers to pitch against the Brewers. The yep. only game the Brewers lost against the Mets was the one that was pitched by, what was it, David, David Peterson. Peterson? Yep. They called him up from AAA. He had an ERA of six, and he, they called him up to face the Brewers, and he throws six shutout innings. The Brewers couldn't do anything against them. And it's like they beat Verlander. They beat Scherzer. But they can't beat David Peterson because he's left-handed. <laughs> Everyone intentionally brings up lefties or moves around their lefties just to face the Brewers because they know they're likely going to win that game if they start a lefty. So the more guys you can get that can hit lefties, the better. That's why they brought in Darren Ruff. And that was working just fine until Darren Ruff blew open his knee, <laughs> running into a tarp. Yep. And like, that's just that's just the kind of luck that they have had, man. Uh and you know, it that that's just been the story of story of the season. So they need to be able to figure it out. And Bobby Dalbeck, you get years of control for him, and you'd be able to get him pretty cheap. Yeah. They got Rowdy Telez pretty cheap. It cost them, what, Bowden, Francis, and uh, Trevor Richards? Yeah, yeah. It, it didn't really cost them much of anything at all. So you could easily get Bobby Dahlbeck without having to sacrifice uh, someone like Jacob Mizorowski. Uh, <laughs> and and you could you could help upgrade this offense. So yeah, Dahlbeck, I, I think, would make a lot of sense uh, for them to go after in the same vein as their Rowdy Telez acquisition a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yep, um, and one other player that was listed, um, might as well throw him out there. Um, I would love if the Brewers could get him, J.D. Davis from the Giants. That is going to, kind of as you note in there too, um, really depend on how competitive they are come trade deadline in the mm-hmm. wild, wild NL West. Um, right now, they're up there, but when you're going against uh, teams like the Dodgers and Diamondbacks, um, it's going to be tough to keep pace, and they could end up with, uh, at some point, wanting to sell. If that happened, yes, would love a player like Davis. Um, but we'd see, you know, what they'd end up having to pay for a guy like that. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's going to depend on, you know, if the Giants are able to stick around in the NL West, because currently they're above the Dodgers, I believe. Uh, so that would be interesting uh, to see how that would go out there. But um yeah, it's uh, going to be one to watch. Uh, the The needs are coming into focus, and the needs for the Brewers is definitely in the infield. Uh, it's on offense, and the teams that are going to be selling, not a very clear picture right now. Right. There are some that we know are going to be selling, Oakland, Kansas City, but do they really have anyone worth getting? Not really. So. No. 
you still have to wait on some teams to decide whether or not they are sellers. Uh, so that is going to be something to watch as the month of July unfolds. And it's a, it's an exciting time. We got the draft coming up. We got the trade deadline. We got so much coming out at reviewingthebrew.com and uh, so much fun happening on the Cold Brew podcast. Isn't that right, Matt? That's right. It's about to be July, baby. Summerfest season. It's here. Fourth of July is coming up. Trade deadline season. It's we're we're in the thick of it now. Yep, we absolutely are, and it's only going to be more fun from here. That'll do it for us. Uh, we'll see you again next week as we get ready for uh, the MLB draft. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, stay tuned to everything at reviewingbrew.com. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.